0: Welcome back to Science of the Southland, everyone. My name is Oksh and joining me on uh, from the beautiful campus of Georgia Tech uh, are Ethan Krieger and Jake Grant. How are y'all doing on this fine Sunday morning? Pretty fine, thank you.
1: I'm doing all right. Getting ready to head out to Traditions Night tonight to pick up my beautiful 404
0: Whiteout t-shirt if you didn't hear and probably by the time this is published you may not have had the chance to go to but Ramblin' rec club uh puts on traditions night or tea night every year of the week before the first football game of the season it's an opportunity for new tech fans and new tech students to get excited uh and educated about the various things that we do on campus um so if you uh, are interested uh, check it out next year. There's a huge block party uh, right before it, and then there's a massive tradition the uh, traditions presentation um, right after. I think this year, uh, Railwind Rec Club has has gotten Jeff Collins to show up.
1: That's correct. Yes. All right.
0: So if you're into meeting Coach Collins uh, and seeing what what cutting is in public. Um, go check it out. That'll probably be next year. But now you know. Without further ado, let's get started. Mr. Grant, what do you have on the docket for us first?
2: I believe I uh, just threw on a little blurb about volleyball because uh, now that we are in the uh, dying days of August, uh, we actually get Georgia Tech Sports. And uh, the first one of the year, uh, well, I guess they play the scrimmage last weekend, but uh, yesterday Georgia Tech Volleyball headed out to Auburn, uh, a very traditional uh, exhibition match for them before the season starts, and uh, a nice power five opponent. Um, Tech kept it close in the first two sets, uh, but they lost them both, and um, never really trailed by more than I think it was three early in the set. Um, I had to uh, peace out for a little bit, but it seems like the second set went pretty well. Uh, by the time I made it back, uh, Auburn uh, was up to nothing, but in the third set, Georgia Tech uh, took it 25 to 23. That was a close game as well. Um, again, uh, we have a lot of returning talent, so I can't say I'm surprised that went a little bit better than last year, but ultimately they did fall 25 uh, 16 in the fourth set, uh, so Auburn took the win. But uh, those first three sets were really. Anybody's game, and I don't think the fourth was as much of a uh, indicator of how they did as sets one, two, three. Uh, so it's good look for the jackets, if not a win. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them come home uh, for this coming weekend, where they'll kick off the season at the Hyatt Regency Invitational uh, here at O'Keefe. Yeah, I think the thing for volleyball is the great thing is that it was an
0: exhibition; doesn't really count, but now they can. They have got some experience versus a opponent that's similar to probably the average difficulty of the teams in their conference. So um, was, Like you said, great test. and They should do pretty well this season, right? I think we were talking about it last time we reported. Yeah, ago.
2: I'd say they're prime for some success. Um, I wouldn't say they're going to win the ACC or something like that, but I mean, just Pitt is too strong. But getting the second game against Pitt off the schedule this year uh, and having a more manageable conference schedule um, plus a couple more tests early, uh, I think, will be a nice balance. Um, I don't know. Didn't really lose a lot, and I don't think they lose a ton coming out of this year either. So I don't know if I have 2019 circled quite as much as I do 2020 or even 21. Um but no, it should be a good year. They're always pretty exciting even if they're not the best, and I think they'll be better than last year. so uh, you know just keep and take keep on taking steps forward, I guess is the goal.
0: Okay, moving on All right, so uh, Adidas announced its strategy uniforms for 2019, uh, which included a new uniform set for Georgia Tech um, this year's uniforms will be a gold helmet with onyx gray uh, jersey and onyx gray pants um, that were uh, inspired by the tradition of Heisman's Gray Devil Scout Team. Um, on first glance, you know, they they look pretty nice, but uh, I think we had a discussion uh, right before we recorded this uh, and in the weeks before uh, or in the days before excuse me uh right after this was announced uh, so let me let me say my piece because i know mr grant over there has a lot to say about this um they are they're nice uh and they they look great um the honeycombs they bring back the honeycombs are super super awesome uh and uh you know, having that gold, the gold really pops against the background of that onyx gray color. Um, but, you know, they're not super traditions related. Um, this isn't really our usual white and gold. So it's it's very frustrating to see after, you know, we've spent all that money in standardizing the brand and standardizing the colors for us to go uh, and do something that seems very, Oregon for the sake of being Oregon. Um, I'm going to let Ethan, if you have any thoughts before Mr. Grant here goes on his massive rant, please
1: feel Yes, good. I do have thoughts. I'm sure they're going to be different than Jake's thoughts. But my thoughts with uniforms are fairly simple. I mean, the uniforms have no outcome or have no effect on the outcome of the game in principle, but if I was a player and I walked out there wearing those things, I would be ready to play. I would be excited to play because they look good. They look really, really good. And I understand that, you know, throughout history, tech is worn either white and gold, and that's how it's been. But we've got to adapt to a changing college football landscape here in the 21st century. And a big part of our 404 brand that Coach Collins and the rest of the athletic department have done such a good job putting into place now is staying ahead of the curve, both Um, You know, on social media, in our uh, facilities on campus, and the uniforms that we wear on game day need to be part of that too. And regardless of the historical implications of wearing a color like navy, or gray or even black if they happen to pull out black, it's really about what's going to get people into the stands buying tickets, making money for the program, and what's going to attract the top recruits for the next few years down the line to make this team better, make this program better to get us to a place where we can contend for a national championship. And if it means wearing gray uniforms, Navy uniforms, black uniforms, just to do something different, to keep it interesting for the players, to keep recruits and fans interested in the program, then I'm all for it. All for it. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. Floor is yours, Jake.
2: I uh oh, hold on. There's a helicopter going over.
0: on site on <laughs> usual. Yeah, um,
2: that'll be it. a bit we do a little bit later. But uh, I am on site right now. Um, I won't spoil what we're up to. But uh, as soon as this goes over, I'll keep it up. But um, yeah, no. When I first saw them, I had one reaction. It's four letters, and it was hate. Uh, I hated everything about it. Um, I'm the history guy. I'm the traditions guy. I love white and gold, and I do like Navy too. Uh, I will not stand for the hate on Navy. Most of my wardrobe is Navy. Um, But yeah, no, uh, we've never really been a gray school, and I didn't like the gray for gray's sake uh, aspect of it. But um, but yeah, no, then I kind of let it sit a little bit. And I think my opinions became a little more nuanced. Um, I really like the look. Uh, it's really clean. I think, uh, I guess, uh, Ethan kind of touched on this uh, point a little bit. You look good. You feel good. You play good. You know? And I think our players can definitely get that uh, with these uniforms. And especially you know, the lighting where the onyx gray goes. Kind of that uh, not really full navy, but like a, like a bluish navy. I'm a big fan of that. Um, but I couldn't shake that like there was something off about it, and there is. Um, and that's that if you're gonna do something new, say you're do some, you say you're doing something new. And I guess I don't want to say that they straight made up the Grey Devils, um, just because I haven't found it yet, and I'm still looking. <laughs> doesn't mean that they never existed, but I think between Engineering the New South, uh, Dresser in White and Gold, Mary and Britton's story of Georgia Tech. Um, the w- digging in the archives that I've done. Um, obviously, it's not all of the archives. Um, but just from all that, I have not seen a single reference to the Gray Devils. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, new things are fine. Like, actually I actually plugged T-Night earlier. We haven't done T-Night forever. Um and it's a great tradition that I think brings a lot of people out that was started under the pretense of we're going to do something new and cool. And hopefully it sticks around if this great thing works out and it sticks around, I think that'll look really cool. Um, but I don't want to be compromising the history we do have. And I feel like this is a really minor, minor nit to pick, but you know, let's just, not make stuff up and yeah, cool. Yeah, I think I
0: think the major
2: thing was
0: it seems like it, they were stretching for that tradition reason, of uh, reason for fans to have it sort of grounded. Um, where I think, like Ethan is saying, the entire point of uniform diversity and great like, coming out with these new uniforms every year, not just for us, but for everyone, every school in the nation for recruiting um, and it seems a little disingenuous to say oh we we did this based on tradition and and again my full respect to Children's there in Atlanta who is partnering with Border Tech uh, for, for these uniforms for their Cape Day or their Care Day I forget what it's called but it just seems the explanation the Grey Devil's explanation seem contrived because that's either a part of our history we haven't really heard before or it's it's just something that it, it seems like a stretch at
2: best. Yeah, don't don't just pull irrelevant or tenuous at best history. We have such a rich diverse football tradition dating back to literally John Heisman. Um and before that to General Wood, but I want to say that again, literally John Heisman. We don't have to make shit up. We're Georgia
1: Tech. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But, I mean, when you look at it, too, there's only so many combinations of a uniform you can put together using just gold and white and even navy. I mean, you look at so many other schools around the country, they dip into a fourth, a fifth, a sixth color. And gray and black are just such neutral colors. It it makes sense to pair them in to some of our other uniform combinations just to create more options. And I know I, I mentioned this in a conversation we were having a few days ago, but I would love to see more diversity in the helmets that we wear. Yeah, the gold ones look nice, the white ones look nice, but I would love to see a metallic gold helmet, something nice and bright. I would love to see a matte navy helmet with a matte navy face mask. That kind is exactly what exact, I exact, was going to say. Kind of similar to the matte green ones that Oregon wore a few years ago. I would love to see us wear something like that. And I think that within the navy, white, and gold, um, color scheme, there's certainly more variations that we could do and more things we could try, but I would also love if we, for a night game at some point in the next couple years, went with a blackout because I just think blackout looks so cool at night. I'm not going to pick the
2: knit on the black. Um, I love our whiteouts at night. Um, I don't think that we'll get too far away from that, but I do agree with you on the combos, and with that I'm going to mute myself again because the wind's picking me up.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have too much of an issue, but I, I, I mean, I guess I would be, um, okay, this isn't super traditional if we went to black, but at least I think there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a historic of precedent for that. Like We wore, we wore black in the 90s, uh, we had the black watch defense, etc., cetera, et cetera. I, I think would still, uh, it still bothered me a little bit because it's not in the palette, uh, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it's, these yeah fans, it's again, not our fans right they're built
1: for yep. recruiting well, the two things i look at when evaluating really any change that a college football program makes but uniforms would be toward the top are is it going to make money is it going to win games and the more uniform variation you can do the more fan interest you're going to drum up the more recruit interest you're going to drum up the more games you're going to win the more money you're going to make True. um
0: but you know who doesn't have a ton of uniform diversity, but is winning a lot of games? Our first opponent of this football season, Clemson University, or Auburn on a lake. Oof!
1: It's Maybe true they are, though;
0: they are Auburn with a Lake. All right. So yeah. Let's let's talk about the Tigers. Let's, let's talk about this game. Uh, I have a couple of questions here for the both of you, being that I am a Clemson a novice, uh, and so I'm going to pose one of them to each of you. Let's see what happens. So, Mr. Kreger, will Clemson losing its entire defensive line to the NFL hurt them at all?
1: Well, I mean, when you lose four guys out of the same position group who all get taken in the first round of the NFL draft or something which is basically unprecedented going back you know decades and decades of college football, Is there going to be some drop-off? Absolutely. I mean, they don't have four more first-round picks right in there behind, ready to come in this year. But they do have plenty of highly touted recruits with raw talent, plenty of young guys who got experience last year. Uh, Xavier Thomas is the first name that comes to mind. He was a five-star recruit a couple of years ago. He's now a sophomore, I believe. He got plenty of experience last year. The names are escaping me right now, but Xavier Thomas is the first one who comes to mind. He's been a preseason ACC and even All-America selection by and large. And I think something that's going to become a bit more clear this year with a, a pass rush that's still going to be you know, top tier level, but maybe not quite as good, is that Clemson's secondary is actually a very, very talented group. And we saw it in the national championship game with A.J. Terrell, pick six. And they have several other talented defensive backs, too. And I think that position group is going to be the group that's going to carry their defense this year and anchor them. Will they be quite as good as last year's defense? I don't think so. But I think they will be better on offense this year.
0: I think one of the major problems that the media has had is not to be, I guess, super anti Street ESPN, but. One of the things, one of the talking points that I've seen is, like, oh, Clemson's entire defensive line is gone. They're just going to take a massive step back. But when, when you think about Clemson in a modern era, or I guess like Clemson in the last four ish years, they've become Alabama. They just reload at all these positions. It's not like, oh, they had one good recruiting class. It's they are putting together multiple classes of five star after five star after five star. They picked up the number one wide receiver in the state of Alabama the other day for the 2020 cycle. So
1: Yeah, that's where they not, got Justin Ross from
0: too. It's not the, the drop off isn't going to be as significant as I think a lot of people as I as I think a lot of people think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the guys they have on their second team, their third team, same goes for Alabama. they are players that would be starting at probably about 120 of the other 128 Division 1 FBS schools. So, yeah, there's there's going to be some drop-off, but you can't judge these teams based off the number of starters they're losing just because the level, level of replacement player they can feel is just so much, so far ahead of, say, if we lost a couple defensive linemen to injury this year, the, the kinds of defensive linemen that we would be running out onto the field. Yeah,
0: You just, watch it's, your it's mouth,
1: good. Ethan. You better knock out some
2: wood. I
0: refuse to, right. to run the 2019
1: defensive line. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like a reporter, always uh, backtracking and revoking his story when he's wrong or afraid of being wrong. Um, all right, Mr. Grant. Clemson is, dare I say, the prohibited favorite to win the Atlantic Coast Conference. But what would have to happen for them not to win the conference or even not to win their division?
2: Well, there's one really interesting easy answer to that question and that's Clemson loses one game and that and that team that beats them wins all of their games in the conference that is the only guaranteed way that Clemson loses this division that, that being said i don't think there's enough other schools in the atlantic that could sweep the division or win a tie break a 7 and 1 tie break against clemson i don't see them Losing once, let alone the twice it would probably take for them to not be playing in Charlotte uh, after Thanksgiving. Um, That being said, if any team was going to do it, as much as this feels weird to say, I think it would be Syracuse. I don't know. I like the program that they have up there. Maybe NC State, but I just don't see Florida State coming out in year two of Taggart and being really all that spectacular. Like, they might be good, but I don't know. I think this is Clemson's division to lose by such a large margin that it would take Syracuse beating Clemson for the second time in three years, which I don't think any team can say that they've done that. Um, And they can't lose – or. It, it would have to be an Atlantic team that gives Clemson a conference loss. And uh, those have been hard to come by lately. Like Georgia Tech, nailing Clemson wouldn't hurt them as bad as falling to a Wake Forest or an NC State or Louisville, for
1: example. I have some thoughts as well on this issue. I don't think this is the year Clemson loses an ACC game. I think they're going to run through 8-0 and an ACC championship win for 9-0 for the third straight year. But I do think if there's any team in the league who can beat them this year on their schedule right now, I don't think Syracuse is the likely candidate. I also I don't think NC State is the likely candidate. Quarterback turnover, receiver turnover. And you look at teams who pull off upsets in college football, those upsets don't happen because they ran the ball well, because they played defense. Yeah, some of the, the reasoning for Clemson's losses recently, Alabama's losses recently, is poor play on the other side of the ball, turnovers, things that you, you can't necessarily control as much. But teams that are successful throwing the ball tend to be you know where the upsets happen. In the Atlantic Division this year, despite Florida State's offensive line issues, and run game issues, Florida State's going to have a very good passing attack this year, a passing attack that I believe will lead them to about eight wins. And then the other team that would seem on paper to be able to give Clemson issues is Wake Forest, just with their aerial attack and the the skill they have at wide receiver and at quarterback this year. So I know the, the popular media pick for Clemson's top challenger in the ACC is Syracuse. I think Syracuse got a little lucky last year. I don't think Syracuse is the second best team in the conference this year. I think Wake or Florida State are going to be the toughest ch- uh, tasks for Clemson this year.
2: Uh, I, I will add um, that Clemson gets Wake at home and Clemson gets Florida State at home. Um, yeah, that's you know, helpful. You know, last, time, last time Clemson visited um, uh, Syracuse was 2018, which that was their conference loss. Or not 2018, 2017, that was their conference loss that year. Syracuse him, played him played them tight at home this year, not trying to pick too many nits. But Death Valley is a very, very tricky place to pull off a it's win. Very scary um, place.
0: The,
2: I mean, I think Pitt did it, so it's not um, unthinkable. And that was a like a six and six or seven and five. That was hit a bad. Team. That
0: was a bad team. So who knows? I think it's I think it's just strange because when when we talk about uh, the way that the Division set up. You have one division that's a complete cluster in the coastal, and then you have the other that is just so so top heavy. There's only the one team at top that is just dominating the rest uh, dominating the rest of the division. Bunsen yeah, Hunzen has a stranglehold on that on that division. In terms of its challenger, I mean even if you're even if you're Syracuse, even if you're Wake Forest, Florida State, whatever, you are going to have to get extremely, extremely lucky in your game versus Clemson. You're going to have to beat Clemson, number one. And number two, you're also going to have to get lucky with other results around you, uh, in the division um, just to bounce your way. So I, I don't know. I so it's hard to even pick a second place because it's, it's just so far ahead of everyone else in that division. I don't think Kendall Bryles makes Florida State that much better because their offensive line is tissue paper. Wake Forest doesn't have great doors, so it's a little bit of a question mark how much how effective they're going to be, from at least for me on the wide receiving Um Hughes kind of hasn't had that much turnover, but it's still, they lose their quarterback, so it's still kind of budgetable. And NC State is just a question mark across the board they lost almost their entire offense to the nfl or to other teams so it is really a case of who knows what what is going to happen it's, i guess that's just
2: why you play the game i'd like to add one more comment uh and that is ethan you are a wake forest homer through and through and i love you for it
1: i am but for all the listeners out there, the over-under this year for Wake Forest football wins is five and a half. Their schedule, for lack of a better term, is awful. They have three non-Power 5 schools, non-conference, and then North Carolina as the fourth non-conference game. They're going to go 4-0 in those four games. They've gone to a bowl four years in a row and won all four. That's not going to uh, change this year. So, If you're looking for easy money this year, the over five and a half wins there is about the surest set in college football this season.
0: Okay. It's pretty solid money. Just a last point. Let's get a quick poll here. The line on Clemson versus Jordan Tech is Clemson by 35 uh, at last check. So does Clemson cover 35? Ethan, you first.
1: I have gone back and forth a few times on this the last couple of months, but ultimately, it's very hard to you know pick a, pick a spread that's going to be decided by a second team and third team guys for Clemson and for Georgia Tech too. But after seeing what they did to a few teams last year, I, I know even what their second team guys are capable of. I was at the Clemson-Wake Forest game last year and watched them rip six runs for touchdowns that were longer than 50 yards in the same game. I've never seen anything like that before, even with a triple option offense. And just what they are capable of, I think they're going to hang – on us and win this game by six or seven scores. I think Clemson covers. I think if there was a year they'd have beat us by five touchdowns,
2: last year could have been the year to do it. And I don't know if it's because Dabo respected Paul or something, but we we lost what? 49-21. 49-21, that's what I thought. Um, Which is not great, but it's only four touchdowns as weird as that is to say, I think we'll wind up with a pretty similar looking scoreline, whether that's because we get a garbage time touchdown or not, that remains to be seen which would essentially make it a 35 point loss for all intents and purposes um, we will see uh, what exactly that looks like come come this week, but I think if they don't cover, they at least get close all Right?
0: Not, not the greatest prospects for the tech, but the reality of starting the season out and playing the defending national champion in their house for the debut of a new conference tv network that kind of happens all right so let's take a look at the other games around the postal uh this week uh in a blatantly stolen segment we like to call the tasting menu uh ethan why don't you read off the first one
1: First game on the tasting menu for this weekend is Duke at Bama here in Atlanta, Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. A very similar line and similar storylines to the Georgia Tech-Clemson game this week. Bama's a 35-point favorite. I actually think Duke will cover that line. I don't think Duke will go down by five scores to Bama. I remember the Duke-Bama home-and-home home maybe a decade ago. That was an interesting game at Wallace Wade over at Duke. I think Bama... Won both of those games by more than thirty-five, but I think Duke has enough coming back, especially on defense, where they'll hang in there and keep it, you know, somewhat close. Maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty-eight to ten.
0: And that one is at three thirty on Saturday on ABC. Indeed, Mr. Grant. What is next on our slate
2: here? I just wanted to toss a line in. I don't know how Duke uh, got the Chick-fil-A kickoff game because their fans don't even travel to the stadium. They do have let alone all the way to Atlanta uh, or when they play us. But um, next on the menu is uh, South Carolina at North Carolina in Charlotte uh, at 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. That time is Eastern. That will be on ESPN, uh, the Big Boy Network. Um, and in terms of that game, I'd say it's over a battle of over who's the real Carolina, but we all know that that is them boys that wear blue uh, from the north, um, that is a fact. South Carolina is a uh, bunch of wannabe boys wearing black and uh, red-ish. Uh, we all know how I feel about those colors. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, even – I'm I'm not too impressed with South Carolina in the post-Spurrier era. I think uh, anybody saying that they're going to be good is Spurious at best. Um, and, yes, I just did that on purpose. Um I uh, I also don't love Mac Brown uh, and UNC. Um, I do like some of his hires, uh, but I don't think week one will see even their best football they'll play this year out of the gate. I think that'll be kind of an ugly game to watch. Um, but in the end, mm. I don't know. Do we know what the line is on that? I don't have it in South front Carolina of me. Carolina by
1: eight. Mm
2: yeah, I'd say that's pretty good. My gut feel was South Carolina by a field goal or a touchdown. And as much as I want uh, the uh, the boys in black and garnet to go down, I think uh, I think they're just a better team than what Mac Brown's got put together up there in uh, Chapel Hill. So we'll see see what happens. Also, an interesting scheduling anomaly that means that North Carolina will wind up playing both Clemson and South Carolina. This year, first time in a long time, um, so that's not that relevant, but it interests a scheduled dork like me, so
1: there you go. Yeah, I've always thought that Will Muschamp didn't get a fair shake at Florida. I'm kind of rooting for him down at South Carolina a little bit, and I think they have a, a team that'll be all right this year. Could be in line for maybe another seven-win season or so. I'm sure they'll, they'll want to get a little ACC revenge after finishing last year with a loss to Clemson, a loss to UVA, and they hung in there with Clemson, at least, even if they didn't score against UVA. So I, I think they'll cover that line, but we'll see.
0: All right, next on the docket is the Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. Yes, I'm going to say the full name, uh, at Boston College at 4 p.m. on Saturday on the brand-new ACC network. VPISU uh, is favored by... Uh, Four points, this is a weird one because BC has had a decent amount of turnover and they're very, very hot and cold. If they can't run the ball, they're not going to win that game, uh, or they're not going to win a game, period. AJ Dillon is just too much of their offense, and Anthony Brown he played really well the first couple games last year, um, but it definitely is, he definitely tapered off uh, after that. Uh, Virginia Tech, on the other hand, has a whole host of issues going on with them um, regarding, you know, player turnover, players quitting on the team that ended up transferring. Really, it's a it's a lot of fun to read through that as a as a neutral slash anti Virginia Tech person. So, I'd encourage you to go read up on that. But anyway, four point seems about accurate. Honestly, these teams are probably both at the same level. Um, give me Boston College to. Upper uh, that spread. All right, last one, Ethan.
1: You want to take that one? Sure, I'll take that one away. Uh, UVA coming off that uh, belt ball win over South Carolina actually is a oh, two and a half point. Doing, the Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be correct. I have more thoughts, but we'll move on. They're a two and a half point favorite at Pitt Saturday, seven thirty p.m following the VPIS UBC game right on the ACC network. That's an interesting one. Uh, UVA brings back Bryce Perkins at quarterback. They return on offense and defense. I'm not sold on – UVA is not my coastal favorite this year. I'm not sold they're going to be able to r- repeat a lot of what they did last year. There's uh, several advanced metrics that suggest that underlying that 8-5 uh, and five record was a team that was maybe bound more for a 6-6 six and six type season. But I do think they are better than Pitt, and I think they'll they'll cover that two and a half point spread, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to
0: 23, 31, 23. All right. Before we move uh, forward, 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 uh, Mr. Grant, you have some stuff that I wanted to tell us about.
2: Yes, I do, Akshay. Um, so the reason I am out and about here on Tech's uh, campus is because. I know a lot of you out there are big football fans, and uh, big football fans like to tailgate. Um, so our own um, former leader, Joey Weaver, is a big uh, uh, stew center, um, how you say? Um,
0: stand. The word you're looking for is stand.
2: No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. He stands the, uh, the parking lot across from Stamps. Um, so he and his family have tailgated there for years. Uh, I personally am an IC lawn kind of guy, but the thing two of us have in common uh, with the uh, RV parkers uh, along the edge of this garage that I'm looking at uh, is that now our tailgate spots are a giant pile of dirt. Um, So if you are out there and you're a fan of the IC lawn, fear not half of it is open. Um, It's not a very big half. Uh, There's some trees and a fence right next to it, but, uh, I believe construction only goes through May 2020, so you'll get that back. But um, looking around at some of the other stuff they have going on, it uh, seems Joey and the RV folk won't be so lucky uh, because I see foundations for two different buildings going in uh, as part of a student center uh, expansion and renovation. So that'll be interesting just as a about-to-graduate person Um yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, but as far as RVs go, if I look behind me, uh, looks like they're still selling the MRDC lot uh, for RVs and overnight guests. And then behind me, you got Boggs and Tech Green behind the other side of Boggs. If you, uh, sorry, helicopter. If you're uh, a displaced man from the uh, from the stamps lot, uh, there are plenty of options around here. Again, IC Lawn still has. Some space, but fear not—you can definitely can uh, definitely make it work. I personally um, am interested to see how this goes um, because I feel like the lack of tailgating isn't so much of an issue as losing the lot. If you're uh, a uh, if you know where the police station is, a lot of people tailgate in that lot and the lot that's now the sustainable building. So uh, we'll see how. The- Situation plays out more so than the tailgating. Um, there's plenty of room for the uh, for the tents and the grills and the chairs and the TVs, but uh, we'll see where people wind up parking, and it'll definitely be a longer walk. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on and to plan on if you're uh, tailgating before games or worried about traffic on the way out. Um, we'll kind of, uh, I guess, between me, Ethan, and Cade, who will be around uh, also. If you're a regular reader uh, you know Magna Carter GT um, he's a regular tailgater as well on this side of campus but we will keep you posted uh, as to not just construction but also uh, good things we see out and about uh, trying to tailgate. Uh, it'll be an interesting year for everyone but uh, I mean if you're over on Fraternity Row or you like the Fifth Street Bridge fear not your game day experience will be just the same as always. Um, but if you guys are on campus uh, for the first game, we look forward to uh, seeing you out and about.
0: Cool. All right. So moving on to our usual
2: game calls, calls of the week. Uh,
0: obligatory. Uh, thank you, Paul Johnson, for your service, but we are still going to make fun of you as part of this bit. All right. Mr. Grant, seeing as you just spoke, I'm going to make you speak again. What do you have in store for us this weekend?
2: Well, this coming weekend, my eyes are on the Northwestern versus Stanford game. Um, I believe our very own Akshay Ishwaran might make it out to that game, um, seeing as he's now on the West Coast and a uh, violently passionate Stanford Cardinal fan. Uh, his words, not mine. Um, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's a 4 p.m. game on a Saturday. Uh, that should give the West Coasters plenty of time to uh, get up, get out, and uh, get over to the game. So it should be a good crowd against Northwestern. Uh, it's always fun when two similarly-minded schools play each other. Uh, Northwestern is favored at plus 7. I pick them to cover, win the game outright. Um, I don't see them having any issues with Stanford. Um Pat Fitzgerald runs a good program. They have that crazy new practice facility. Um, Not that that should change their talent makeup too much, but they do have uh, a lot of uh, that coming back. So looking forward to see them get underway out west um, as a formerly Chicago boy. So
1: so we'll see how that goes. Ethan, what do you got? well, if you followed this podcast, specifically this segment, for the last year now, you know that I love picking games involving my North Carolina schools, and so we have a great one for you to kick off this season from my home state of North Carolina. Uh, East Carolina is taking on NC State this weekend, and I love love me some stereotypes of the North Carolina schools, and those two are both known for for better or for worse, for true or for not, both known for having a lot of redneck fans. And the gathering of ECU football and North Carolina State football in the same building is probably the largest gathering of North Carolina rednecks uh, this year. So that's exciting. So Carter-Finley Stadium on Saturday will be a great place to be. Both fan bases are very passionate. Both uh, love football almost as much as they love baseball, but both love football. Uh, East Carolina is a a 16.5-point underdog in that game, and they're coming off a season where their defense was just historically bad, gave up 70 or more several times. I think they'll be a little bit better this year. I think uh, NC State's uh, new starting quarterback, I can't remember the name of the guy replacing Finley, but uh, Finley was a great quarterback for them the last three years, and along with the loss of Kelvin Harmon on the outside, be tough to overcome right away, and I think they'll have a few growing pains on offense. And for that reason, I'll take ECU to lose, but to cover the 16-and-a-half point spread.
0: Cool. All right. So uh, I will be taking uh, number 11, Oregon, uh, at number 16, Auburn, a neutral site battle. I want to say that's in the Louisiana Superdome. Not entirely sure. I forgot to look it up. But that is at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday Eastern Time on ABC. Auburn is. Somehow, at 16, I have no idea. Um, we thought this is a probably six months after we all thought Gus Malone was going to be fired, which is super weird and honestly kind of uncomfortable. Um, Oregon, Oregon looks like the, either your favorite or your second place in the Pac-12, uh, considering where Washington's at and, and considering the other players in the conference. And especially with Justin Herbert at the helm returning instead of the draft. so give me Oregon plus three point five. Uh, I think Oregon ends up winning outright because I just I do not have stock in Auburn this year. That they're such a weird, inconsistent team that I, I don't know what to think about them. Um, and if uh, this year is anything like last
2: year, it's just going to be probably pretty disappointing. Um, if,
0: that's it. Any final thoughts?
2: Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward to this year, guys. I know uh, I know we have a big game to lead off the schedule against Clemson, but I think uh, there's a lot of excitement around the program, and I hope uh, I don't know we can keep it going, but also kind of tap into that in this year of football, and I guess into basketball and baseball too. So. Looking forward to another fall of uh, Science of the sapland. Yep,
1: yeah, it'll be a good fall. It'll be exciting to see what Coach Collins can bring. I know we've talked ad nauseum about it for months and months now, but it's finally almost time to see, even with players that he didn't recruit and that probably don't fit his scheme perfectly, what he's got and what the final product on the field will be this fall. And my uh, last thing I want to say is I know that this will
2: go out by after the game happens, but I just want to plug – the Little League World Series, uh, which is today. Uh, If you guys don't watch that, keep an eye out for it next year. Um, It's very wholesome to watch little kids who really, really, really love what they do uh, play the game of baseball. Um, So, yeah, no, just trying to bottle that going into this year of, I guess, watching and playing sports. Um, Remember why we love it, you know?
0: Yeah, it's the 150th year of college football, so uh, find a reason to celebrate. Else's reason this has to be for our guys over there, Jake Grant and, and Brenner, uh in Atlanta, uh, and me here in San Francisco, we'll say so long until next week. Uh and in